You are listening to the sermon stream of the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com slash sermons. Uh, last time we read, it was uh, uh, two weeks ago, last time we read Galatians 3 verse 1 about the foolish Galatians that uh, Paul said we have por- publicly portrayed Christ as crucified. You, you know Christ is crucified. It's like we, we, we put it up on a billboard for you. Uh, we, we, we showed you how it was, just like you know we, we enjoy today uh, going to films and movies, and, and we enjoy seeing various uh, portrayals of things. And uh, some of them are very vivid, and uh, we can almost, uh, in many ways, uh, feel like we're there. Well, that's, that's how the preaching of the gospel of Christ was. Uh, letting these people, uh, through the uh, inspired message, uh, let them know Christ and let them understand what Christ did uh, for us. But now they've departed from that. So this kind of marks the change of direction in the book of Galatians. Most of the time in the epistles in the New Testament, we have two sections. We have the doctrinal sections, and then we have the moral or ethical sections. Uh, sometimes people call it the teaching section and the practical section. And uh, in this uh, book of Galatians, though, we had first a biographical section. Paul told his story of his conversion and of the uh, highlights uh, that, that were germane to the case uh, of him preaching the gospel to the Galatians, showing how God was working and God was moving and it was really the work of God that caused him to be there among them and caused him to teach what he taught. And this is why it's so troubling for him that they're departing from that. So uh, chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ uh, and God the Father who raised him from the dead. In verse 4, who gave himself for our sins, that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. So it's the will of God, our Father, that Paul's life was as it was, set apart from uh, his mother's womb, called to be an apostle, as you tell the Corinthians, one untimely born, the most unlikely of apostles, not a disciple of Jesus in the shores of Galilee, and not in the boat when uh, you know he says, peace be still to the wind and waves, and not helping pass out the, the bread and the fish, when uh, he feeds the 5,000 and not with him in the garden and not with him after the resurrection, but truly one untimely born, but caused to be so by God in God's time and God's way, and that he might preach this very gospel to them. And he has given hints of what this would be, that there is in chapter 2, verse 5, the truth of the gospel remaining. Uh, again, that these at times they weren't straightforward with the truth of the gospel, there was this truth of the gospel that he, he gives us as the biography wrapped up, chapter 2, verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And so uh, that's what God called me to preach. That's what God sent me to you uh, to, to bring, that message with the power of the Spirit, uh, doing miracles, and uh, showing you Christ, as we saw in chapter 3, verse 1, Christ publicly portrayed as crucified. So it's God's message 
It's God's choice. I'm here doing what God has sent me to do. And now somehow, chapter 3, verse 1, you foolish Galatians, what's happened? It's like somebody cast a spell on you that you have now gone someplace else. So Paul is going to now ask them some questions. And that'll be our study tonight. The questions that Paul begins the doctrinal section with, the rhetorical questions, all of them, we'll, we'll understand uh, without much thought, uh, you know, we shouldn't need too much thinking to figure out how we should answer these questions and how they should answer these questions. But he's going to ask them, ask them these questions. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or the hearing of faith? So what got you to where you're at now? Why, why am I an apostle of Christ even talking to you folks at this way in this level? Was this is, something, is this something about the law? No. Why, why are you going back to the law? And then uh, another question, uh, verse 3, are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain. So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or the hearing of faith? So he gets back to his original question. Was it the works of the law or the hearing of faith? So there was that question of blessing. I'll just put all of these up here now. There was this question of blessing. There was the folly of regression. There was the vanity of return to the pre-gospel state. And then there's clarity in their options. So that'll be our study in verses 2 through 5. The question, which he begins and ends with, the folly, the vanity of the other side, and the clarity with which they should now operate. So he started there in verse 2. He said, this is the only thing I want to find out from you. Of course, then he asked four questions, kind of like mom. I just want to know one thing. And then mom asked five questions. Or, or like a teacher trying to get the class who's fallen behind a little bit and got off the topic and got off the subject. She says, I just want to ask you one thing. And then she asked him four things. And so Paul does that here. He, he, he says, I want to know one thing. He asks him four questions. Of course, question uh, four is a recap or recapitulation of question one. And so all of these should be pretty obvious to answer. Where do the blessings come? Did the blessings come through the Spirit in hearing of faith, or do the blessings come by works of the law? And so you think about all the time that the synagogues of Galatia had been there. Uh, by the time of the writing of uh, this letter, around the year 50, 52, 53, 54, but round number 50 AD is an early date, 55 is a late date. By the writing of this letter in 50 AD, those synagogues have most likely been there for about 200 years. There's a large Jewish population in this region. The Jews had been there for a long time. The Jews had been there for many generations. There's probably families who could remember, you know, which grandpa, how many back, moved to that area. Uh, but uh, the, the, there was a native Jewish population there that had been there a while, and those synagogues were old and well-established, in the various towns and cities of Galatia. And in those generations prior to the gospel coming, 
which would have been about 10 years before uh, when the Apostle Paul got there. And so this last 10 years, has that been different than the prior 200? Oh, it's been massively different. There was nothing like this in the synagogues. This message wasn't there. This hope wasn't there. The work of the Spirit wasn't there. And so the work of the Spirit is the thing that Paul asked them to concentrate on, as he says, again in verse 2, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And again, in the recapitulation question of verse 5, does he who provides you the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by works of the law or the hearing of faith? And so the special operation of the Spirit, which was among the churches, is evidently, and I think we could probably see by study of the Scripture, it's one of the marked differences between the old and the new system. There's so many differences between the old and the new. There's so much continuity that sometimes we forget how much is different. Now, there's other times that, that we forget how much they're the same. And so uh, it can be a confusing thing to sort out uh, how much of the old is the same as the new, uh, uh, how much of a continuity is there, and there's a great deal of continuity, but how much is, is new and fresh? Well, the Spirit was certainly new and fresh. In the 19th chapter of the book of Acts at Ephesus, Paul runs into some people who've been baptized with the baptism of John, and those guys didn't even know about the Holy Spirit. And so Paul ends up teaching them about Christ, the Spirit, and baptizing them in the name of Christ. And so uh, here's, a, here's a great differentiator uh, between the old and the new, and that is the presence and work of the Spirit. And so we have, as the Galatians did, the Spirit with us. And uh, the Spirit comes only in Christ. Uh, who promised us the Comforter would come? Jesus did, John 14. Before that passage, what did we hardly know of a Comforter? What did we know of the Counselor who would come and convict the world? What did we know of that? Well, we and the other faithful people, we didn't know anything of that. And so here is the Spirit. And this, is a, this, this reminds us that this exercise in which we're engaged in the gospel, in the church, and the things of Christ, it, it's all uh, of a supernatural uh, uh, thing. It's, and again, not just that it's supernatural in origin, it is. Uh, it's supernatural in origin because it's in the mind and plan of God. And that's one reason why it can be so clearly prophesied. Uh, it, but it's also supernatural in its presentation to these brethren, and the original preaching of the gospel uh, was certainly supernatural. It's accompanied by miracles, as we saw in verse 5. It's accompanied with the uh, supernatural presentation. We call it inspiration. It's, it, so it was an inspired message uh, of, of a supernatural man, God and man, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus. It's supernatural in origin, so it was, like I say, it was prophesied. And then for our purposes, after the time of the Galatians, it's also supernatural in its preservation and its continuance, uh, partly by the immediate corrections when there were departures. So these brethren at Galatia are departing from the faith in some very substantial ways, and there's now this correction by inspiration. And so that's part of the uh, providential uh, guiding work of the Spirit uh, to make sure the church prevails, as Jesus prophesied, that the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against it because uh, we've got God with it and God behind it. Of course, ultimately, again, it's supernatural in its conclusion because what do we hope the, uh, the end of the Christian exercise is? Well, we're told in Scripture we have a sure and certain hope 
of an eternity with God. And so it's supernatural. And so the Spirit, the Spirit's work, where did it come from? It came through the hearing of faith. And, and we'll note these summaries of the two different lives. Uh, there's the life under the law of Moses. It's called the works of the law. And we have the, the life in the gospel, and it is called the hearing of faith. Now, again, it's, it's not just hearing. It's the hearing of faith. In Hebrews 3, it talks about uniting in our hearts uh, belief with the message. And so we have belief and trust in the message. But that is the summary in the gospel in, in, the, in the New Testament of this good news of Jesus Christ. Our, our summary uh, is trust or faith, uh, in Latin, fidelis. Uh, so it's the faith uh, that we have that comes by the gospel. This is the thing that Paul summarizes, uh, faithfulness in Christ, uh, the life in Christ in, that it is this hearing of faith. So we think about in the law. In the law, it was, uh, you know, blessed if you do, cursed if you don't. In the gospel, it's blessed if you believe and cursed if you don't, right? And so uh, not that there aren't actions, and not in the Old Testament there wasn't faithful doing, because, uh, you know, Habakkuk is the one who tells us first, the just shall live by faith. But he tells us that, uh, not just for their time, but prophetically for our time, uh, where faith comes to the fore. So not that there's no performance in our time, not that there's no fruits of a repentance, uh, not that there's no tokens of obedience, not that there's not, uh, you know, all the things that go with trust in God. You know, trust in God each day, what does that look like? And it should look like a faithful Christian. But the summary here is hearing with faith. So the question, how did you get blessed? How do you have this relationship with the apostle that he's writing you a letter out of concern? You got this out of the hearing of faith. You got this out of the gospel message. You didn't get this in the other way. And so it's absolute folly then to do otherwise. Verse 3. Are you so foolish? Well, he's kind of already brought up that topic of being foolish, hadn't he? Back in verse 1, you foolish Galatians. And so now it's, okay, we've already established your fools. How big a fools you want to be? That's the question. Are you so foolish? <laughs> Maybe we could put up a little folly, but you guys have crossed the line. You guys have gone folly crazy. Now, are you this, are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now perfected by the flesh? So here's another contrast between the old way and the new way. The, the work of the law is here called flesh. And the hearing of faith is called Spirit. And so why is the work of the law, why is the work of the law faith? Or excuse me, why is it flesh? Why is the work of the law flesh? Because... It was required that you do them. Do this and live, right? Moses, uh, Deuteronomy 31. I've said before you, life and prosperity, death and adversity, choose life, right? Do do, do these things and live. Uh, but they couldn't do. They didn't do. It turns out that uh, the flesh was incapable of doing the things of God. Uh, what did Peter say, Acts 15 and verse 10? This is a burden, this law which neither us or our fathers were able to bear. 
And so when it was up to you to keep it, uh, that, that didn't work. He, he found fault with them in the, the prophecy of Jeremiah 31, quoted in Hebrews 8. God found fault with them. So he made a new kind of covenant that depended much more on Christ and us being faithful to him than a list of regulations that by flesh and by our own strength we would keep. Because the many generations of Jews, they did not keep it. Their flesh was weak. You know, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did Jesus say to the disciples? Hey, uh, you know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Well, they're going back to the system that depends on their doing. They're going back to the system that depends upon their performance. And it's a Christianized version of the law isn't going to turn out any better than a law version of the law. Why did the law fail? They were weak. They couldn't bear it. They couldn't do it. That's why the law fell. Romans seven twelve. the law was perfect and righteous and good. But what about people? How many perfect and righteous and good are there among the people? And so uh, a hybridized, uh, a, a, a Jesus-infused law-keeping isn't going to work any more than a Moses-following law-keeping would. And Paul said, you're going back to the wrong source of security. You've gone back to the wrong source for following faithful after God. Go with the Spirit. Go with the help that's there. Go with the blessings that's there. Go with faith being counted as righteousness, not righteousness being counted as righteousness. That gets to next week's lesson. But go with the faith. So how foolish do you want to be? It's, to go back to this old system, it's absolute folly. So you were, you, you were foolish uh, to have been to listen to these folks, verse 1, and get bewitched. But how far down the folly path do you want to go? It's absolute folly. And so returning back to that other way, it is absolute vanity. Verse 4, did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain. You, you suffered, he's telling them and reminding them. He says, you suffered to be a Christian. You suffered for that. And, and why? Did you suffer? Did, was it in vain that you suffered those things? Because now you've given that up? Because you think about uh, the acceptance of Christ in the life of a person. Uh, there uh, ends up being conflicts. Uh, in a person's family, as a person accepts Christ, and others in their family do not. Uh, they have the faith to trust and believe in Christ and depend on Him and to live now under His direction and, and, and uh, uh, with, with uh, those practices uh, and those, uh, uh, making those things meaningful. And their family, uh, they don't change. Maybe some do, but uh, most don't. And then there's friends, and, and, and there's, there's losses of relationships with people. As relationships are strained, when you grow so close to Christ, you end up often growing much farther from others. People who are near and dear, and that, that's painful. And Jesus, Jesus knows that, and he, he told us that. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. I, I'm going to set people against the members of their own house. And you really ought to count the cost before you follow me. 
you should know it'll be costly to follow me. Of course, he also wants you to meet those costs and follow him. But uh, these things, uh, these tear a family asunder. And what do we have in uh, Hebrews 13? In Hebrews 13, uh, verse 12, this exhortation. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. King James will say camp. So let us go to him outside, outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we do not have a lasting city, but we're seeking one that is to come. Uh, that exhortation, which is very similar, I think, to this one, it's a different tone, a different way to express it, but it's the same, it gets to the same root problem. I think maybe for these Jewish brethren, they had even more trouble with the cost of discipleship in this regard than some of the pagan folks did. Uh, pagan folks came from, you know, a varied religious ba- background that had all different sorts of practices. And some families follow one set of things and some followed another. But for the Jews, there was one way to be Jewish. All right, well, maybe maybe they divided into, you know, separate groups of Pharisees and Sadducees and a few things like that. But there's pretty much one way to be Jewish, and these folks aren't doing it anymore. And when you're not Jewish anymore, what are you? And so for these Jewish folks, uh, following Christ uh, had come at a cost. And, and now that they've borne those costs, are they ready to give that back up and act as though they didn't pay that price? That, uh, God knows they did that. And, and like again, to the Hebrews, uh, God is not so unjust as to forget what you suffered. But it seems you're forgetting what you suffered. You're going back to a hybrid of that. Where this was the place where they'd ostracized you as you left. And so we think about these uh, Galatians, if we go to the book of Acts, it wasn't just in friends and family they'd suffered persecution, but also from the community. And so uh, Acts 13.50, uh, there there was a persecution uh, that was uh, aroused by the Jews. Acts 13.50, the Jews aroused the devout women of prominence and the leading men of the city and instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas. Uh, that was at uh, Antioch of Pisidia. That's in Galatia. In Iconium, in Acts 14, verse 4, the multitude of the city was divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. And there was an attempt made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with the rulers to mistreat them and stone them. But they became aware of it and they fled to the cities of Lyconia, Lystra, and Derby, and the surrounding regions and they continued to preach the gospel. And so this Galatian region as the gospel was first preached had been a hotbed of opposition, a hotbed of persecution, a hotbed even of violence. Acts 14, 19, Jews came from Antioch and Iconium to Lystra, and they went over the multitudes, and they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. And he encouraged them in Acts 14, 22, with many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And so it would have been a costly thing for many of these brethren to have accepted the word of faith here, the hearing of faith, accepted what Christ taught to have trusted in him and relied on him. And now, now after that, you, you want to go back? You want to go back to the same type of people or at least the same type of mindset that had caused you to do this? 
And again, I think this is a particular uh, issue for the uh, Hebrew brethren. It reminds us uh, of a couple of passages, again, from Hebrews. One of them we mentioned a while ago without citing Hebrews 6.10, God is not so unjust to forget your work and the love which you've shown for toward his name and having ministered and still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. Don't be sluggish, but imitators of those who face impatience inherit the promises. Or also, again, in Hebrews 10, remember the former days. So here for these uh, Hebrews, <laughs> this was you know, maybe 25, 30 years ago, Paul said it's a distant, uh, the Hebrew writer at least, says it's something of a distant memory now. But remember this. Well, here in, in <clears throat> Galatia had only been a decade before, but uh, so it doesn't have to be all detailed because uh, it's a lot fresher in mind. But listen to these things uh, that the the uh, another set of Jewish believers now in Christ had suffered. Hebrews 10.32 beginning, Remember the former days when, after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of suffering, partly by being made public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by being sharers with those who were so treated. And you showed sympathy to the prisoners, accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you yourselves have a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance." so that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what's promised. And so just finish the course. You know, that's the great statement of Paul at the end of his life, right? I have finished the course. What's the Hebrew writer tell the, the brethren? Finish the course. You've done so much. There's so many obstacles you've overcome. Finish the course. Here to the Galatians, you started the course, right? It's an obstacle course, evidently, there in Galatia. You've, you've run through the hard part of the obstacle course, what vanity, what vanity to go back. And so let me just have you note the absolute clarity of your options as Paul uh, recites again the main question from verse 2, as he says now in verse 5, So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by works of the law, or the hearing of faith. So the Holy Spirit, all the miracles that accompanied uh, when they had men like Paul, you know, what did Paul tell the uh, Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, the works of a true apostle I worked among you with endurance. Uh, he, he worked many miracles in, in Corinth. We don't have them recorded all in the book of Acts, but you think about all the things that are miraculously done uh, in the uh, uh, in the gospel uh uh, there in the book of Acts. These brethren saw those miracles. These brethren knew about those miracles. They had the testimony of the Spirit with them when they became Christians. And so we saw you know, something in Acts of all the troubles that the brethren had when they accepted Christ. And we might wonder, and you know, sociologists who don't understand these things, uh, from a spiritual perspective, they go, why did people join up with this persecuted group? Why did the persecuted group grow? Well, because the Spirit of God was moving among them and helping them. And these people knew if they had any spiritual discernment. They knew that. And uh, we think about, again, in Acts 14, this uh, where Paul uh, was persecuted by those Jews of Antioch and Iconium down at Lystra, again, right in the heart of Galatia. 
It said they went over the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. Well, here comes the Spirit, uh, giving Paul life when he should have been dead. For while the disciples stood around him, he arose and entered the city. And the next day he went away with Barnabas to Derbe. And they preached the gospel of that city and made many disciples. And then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, saying, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Well, you know, sometimes when the preacher who, uh, you know, drove to the large, comfortable church in a large luxury car, and he goes home to his uh, large and fashionable house, and he sits in his uh, large and comfortable uh, leather Lazy Boy recliner in front of his very large TV, and he tells the brethren, ah, oh, there's tribulation and persecution in following Christ. There's people who go, well, I don't think I see any in you. Uh, or there's some who deny uh, the difficult parts of following Christ, and they've watered down the gospel, or they they have uh, made it about health and about wealth and about you know living your best life, your good life, or uh, you know most fulfilled life. Now people would say, "Oh, become a Christian, and you know uh, we'll solve all your problems." Uh, the false Christianity, I think, is really uh, only rivaled by what I've seen from chiropractors as to how many things it'll supposedly cure. You know, you ask some chiropractors, well, what can chiropractic cure? Well, it'll cure everything. Well, why did some of your patients die then? I, but, but some chiropractors, I'm, that's not all of them, but, but some of the chiropractors, man, they oversell chiropractic. It'll, it'll do anything for you. Well, that's how some people teach and promote and sell Christianity. It'll solve all your problems. Uh, you'll be a better father. You'll be a better mother. You'll have better children. You'll have a better business. You'll be a better employee. You'll be a better boss. You'll, you'll be, you know, help, healthier and happier and more content and more wise. And I'm not saying that God doesn't give blessings to the faithful and that over time the faithful don't evident, uh, evidence uh, some of these fruits in their life. But that is not the point and purpose of the gospel. And we see that these people, uh, they were asking about the suffering they had in it. But in the suffering, they had the Spirit. And in the message of Christ, they had the Spirit. And in the proclamation of the gospel, they had the blessings. And so Paul asked them, where did you have the blessings? This reconciliation, this hope, this forgiveness, this adoption, uh, this, this uh, uh, call of people to be with God. Such a compelling call that the Gentiles are beating down the doors of the church. They, they didn't beat down the doors of the synagogue. But the Gentiles are beating down the doors of the church to get in. Where did all this take place? It took place when uh, you had the hearing of faith. It took place when the gospel was presented to you. And so we're going to ask you now in verse 5 with absolute clarity, does he provide you the spirit and work miracles? Does he do that by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? So here's what we need y'all to do. We need y'all to hear with faith. And let me tell you how much faith will do for you. Our next lesson, verse 6, even so Abraham. Oh, you want to be Jewish? Let's go to Abraham. Genesis 15. But Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him. It was counted to him. Some translations might say it was imputed to him as righteousness. And so next week in our next study, we get to talk about imputed righteousness because something is counted as righteousness 
and Abraham had it. And that is our example, and that's what we should have too. And that all comes by the hearing of faith. It doesn't come by the work of the law. So, to summarize, Paul asked these foolish Galatians who started getting off the path questions. Where did the blessings come in? How foolish do you want to be in going back? How vain would it be to go back? And look clearly at the options before you as to what is presented in these two ways of life. The hearing with faith or these works of the law, which I tell you, he says, are by the flesh. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at mulvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.